You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. We have been uh, looking at this series. Uh, this is a week number nine, which is almost hard to imagine. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit bummed, if I could just be flat out honest, because it was the summer series. And if you're coming to the end of your summer series, guess what that means? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. That's what that means. So uh, anyway, but we're, uh, we've been enjoying doing the series and uh, trust that you have too. If you're joining us online and uh, maybe haven't uh, caught a lot of our series, we've been doing a summer series called Subject to Change. And This series has been looking at people in the Bible who were sheltered for a time and but then came out changed for the better, that there was great change that happened in their life uh, even while they were being sheltered, even while they were being persecuted, even while they were actually even in hiding. And uh, and so the whole point uh, is to encourage us to say, we want to face our time of change with the attitude that God can and will prep us for greater days and greater ministry in the days to come. If he did it to David, if he did it with Moses, if he did it with Joseph, then he can do it with Jeff. Amen? Amen. He can do it with Sally. He can do it with Bob. He can do it with Evelyn. He can do it with Wendy. He, he can do it. That's what he does. And so we want to we approach it that way. We can come out of covid we, we, we're going to come out of it, all right? And we can come out of it better. We can come out stronger. We can come out more courageous, more committed to the kingdom than we were before. And this is uh, the challenge that's upon us. Now, we're almost finished this series. And as we look back, this is who we've, we, we, we've seen how, uh, just a quick look back on what we've done. We've seen how Moses was sheltered for 40 years until he was fully prepared to answer God's call. David spent 15 years on the run and he lived in a cave, but when he came out, he was ready to lead a nation. We looked at Joseph and Noah, Jonah, Esther, Daniel, and Jacob. They were all sheltered for a time, but came out changed and impacted uh, the world for change and uh, were used for a great work. Today... We are on number nine, and it's the Apostle Paul. There's not, uh, in my humble opinion, uh, there's not too many people on the globe ever in the history of the world who have been more influential than the Apostle Paul. There have been millions and millions and millions of people who have read his work, who have found Jesus through his life, and he continues to impact us even now. The Lord used him in such amazing ways. He, we're going to look today at that Paul, after he met the Lord, he spent three years in Arabia, and it looks like he was sheltered and sort of sequestered away for three years. But Paul was sheltered for more than just that. There were times in Paul's life when he was in prison, as many of you know, and when Paul was in prison, what did he do? Mope, complain, whine, I can't get out. They make me wear a mask. You know, no. You know what he did? 
He, he, only, he only wrote half the New Testament in prison. This is what he did. And I'm thinking, come on, people. It's time to pull up our boots and let's get to work. We can come out better. We can come out stronger. So today we're going to look at Paul and Paul's life. Again, and you've heard me say this before, to try to encapsulate the life of Paul in 30-ish minutes, maybe longer, we'll see, uh, you know, um, it, it's very difficult. Paul, again, is a summer series unto himself, but we're going to just look at uh, some big picture stuff about Paul. He starts off as a hater, as a persecutor of Christians. He, he just despised anybody who believed in the way and uh, didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, didn't believe any of it, and he was radically persecuting those who believed it. You first find Paul in Acts chapter 7, where his name is mentioned. Uh, he was called Saul at the beginning, and you find him there helping to stone Stephen to death. And he's, he's there giving approval and cheering on you know, uh, I was going to say he's cheering on the stoners. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, there he was, you know, giving, uh, giving approval and being for the death of Stephen. And that's the first time you see his name in Acts chapter 7. I was reading this week, and I, I read this guy, and he said he called Paul, uh, he, he called Paul a first-century terrorist. And uh, it... it it, it made me think about that for a while, and I think, you know, I think he kind of has a point. He was completely and totally committed to the cause, which was to destroy Christians. And uh, so he brought fear everywhere he went, as you could well imagine. He went from town to town finding believers and hunting them down. They were either killed or thrown in prison. And he, he was just a bad, bad man. In Acts chapter 9 now, he's on his way to Damascus to do the same thing, to find any believers there to persecute them and to throw them in prison. But something happens on his way to Damascus, and I know a lot of you know the story. But Paul's on the road to Damascus, and he meets somebody very powerful. <laughs> And his name is Jesus. He meets Jesus on the road. And he is struck blind for three days. And uh, until a believer, he's led into Damascus. And then a believer named Ananias is told by the Holy Spirit to go pray for Paul. And when he does, his eyes will be opened and his sight will be restored. And Ananias says, uh, Lord, uh, 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 is this the same guy? It's the same guy that, you know, is this the same guy? You know, he's like, hey, go. I have plans for this guy. And so Ananias goes to where Paul is. He lays his hands on him, and Paul's sight is restored. He seems to stay in Damascus for a very, very brief period of time. And then he says that he goes into Arabia for three years before he returns and then he eventually goes to Jerusalem and he meets Peter and, uh, and then his life really as an apostle gets going. But I wanted to, uh, so I wanted to set all that up and then uh, here's the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. 
And this is Paul writing now later after the fact, but here's how he describes his time. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. This is, here's the story now. He said, instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. And then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for about 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. And then he concludes this little section by saying, I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. So there's nothing much known about Paul's time in Arabia. Some people talk about him being out in the wilderness and in the desert and all, all that kind of a thing. And I, I can't say exactly what happened to him, but it seems that Paul, well, he definitely goes away into Arabia for three years and it seems that Paul needed some time to be taught by Jesus so that he would be ready to face what was coming his way, so that he could get schooled, he could get, he could get a deeper understanding of the gospel. And it seems that that time of sheltering for three years in Arabia was his time. And it got me thinking, you know, the disciples got three years of training with Jesus, and it seems like Paul did too except he was all alone. He got one-on-one. -on -one. That's pretty good. So uh, he says, then he goes on to say to the Galatians, listen, uh, there, was, there was these false teachers coming into Galatia and trying to twist and, and uh, turn them away from the true gospel. And so Paul is trying to defend himself, saying, listen, you've got to believe what I'm saying. Don't listen to these false teachers. The gospel I presented to you is the real deal. Don't stray from that. He, he says, uh, the gospel that I preach to you should be believed and accepted, he said, first because it didn't come from a human. It didn't come from anybody else but Jesus himself. He said, I, I, I met him on the road and then I didn't run to Jerusalem to consult with the disciples. I didn't run and I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't sit down at the feet of a disciple. No, he said, uh, he goes away for three years and talks to Jesus himself and learns everything from the Lord himself. He didn't run to Jerusalem to confer with anybody. It, in fact, he says it was a long time before he even met the other apostles. And when he finally did, he actually discovered that the gospel he was preaching was, had, was lining up exactly with the gospel that they were preaching. Shocking, isn't it? 
He says this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add. This is when he met them now. So, and the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, the reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites, which is classic Paul. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. So he finally confers with them and realizes, isn't it amazing? The same thing Jesus taught you, it's the same thing he taught me. And they, uh, and they realize that, that Peter and the other uh, disciples were called to the Jews and Paul's uh, calling was to the Gentiles. And so this is one of the reasons he says to the Galatians, believe what I say, because this gospel was not revealed to me by man. It was revealed to me by God. And uh, so don't listen to what these yahoos are telling you. Listen, I received it straight from the Lord. And so this is why you need to believe me. He said the other reason why you should believe my gospel is because I am a man who's been powerfully changed by the power of it. He said, you remember who I was before. You remember how I was trying to destroy Christians and persecute every single one of them. He's saying to them, listen, only the power of God, only the grace of God can change a man like me so dramatically. There's nothing that could have done this to me except Jesus. And so he, 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 he points back to this again, and it seems that his sheltering time in Arabia was this deeply transformative time in his life. That the Holy Spirit had a lot of work for Paul to do, so he had to do a lot of work in him. And uh, he did that work, it seems, during that time. Now, we all love a good transformation story. It's, it's, it's awesome, you know? Scrooge, overnight, transforming from a miserable cheapskate into a joy-filled giver. We love stories like that. The Grinch is hard, growing three sizes larger after experiencing the love of Cindy Lou Who. You know, we love stories like that. And listen, becoming a believer in Jesus, understand if you're watching online and you don't know him, it's, you're not joining a club. That's not what Jesus is. This, it's more like this, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You become different, transformed, changed. You become just a better version of yourself. We're not saying Christians are, the, are well, well we, we think we're better versions of ourselves, and we actually know we're better versions of ourselves. We're not saying we're better than you. We're saying we're better than we used to be. And, and, and that's a key thing that we need to understand, that, that this is what God does in our lives. He literally transforms us. Paul said it himself. Remember, to the Corinthians, he said, he said, when you, you never underestimate the power of God, that, that, uh, that, uh, that in Christ, sorry, I'm stumbling because I'm thinking too fast, trying to get my mouth to catch up. In Christ, we are what? A, say it out loud so they can hear you online, a new creation. In Christ, we are a new creation. He says, the old is gone, and the new has 
come. And there is such power, transformative power. Never underestimate the change that happened to Paul. I know that lots of us in church have heard the story many times and we go, yeah, Paul was changed. Yeah, Paul was changed. No, listen, pause for a minute and understand how dramatic and crazy the change was in this man's life. He went from killing Christians to becoming one. He, he, he went from a, an absolute zealot for, for uh, the, the pharisaical side of, of, uh, of the Jewish religion to, uh, to completely turning around in a 180 degrees saying, it's Jesus who's the Savior. It's Jesus who's the Messiah. It's Jesus who you have to follow. It's Jesus who you have to know. He, his life was so dramatically transformed. There is transforming power in the gospel. Somebody said yes. Look at what he's done in your life. Look at what he's done in mine. Look at what he's done in the life of Paul. And it got me thinking, you know, maybe the next Billy Graham is a violent drunk right now. Maybe the next Mother Teresa is a heroin-addicted prostitute right now. And they just haven't met the transformative power of the gospel. See, the power of the gospel changes people. It turns people around. No one is beyond his reach. If, if we look at Paul and we say, if you want an example of a true, miraculous, transformative story, this is Paul. Not Scrooge, not the Grinch, not all the nice, warm stories that we enjoy. Here's a real one. The guy was a nasty murderer who now loves people so much that he would lay his life down so that some people could find the gospel. An absolute change. And so this is exactly what happened to Paul. So, and listen, there's so many great qualities about this man. Like, where do you begin, really? Like, he was a hard worker, he was bold, he was uncompromising, he was incredibly determined. He loved people so passionately that I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But he loved people. Read the epistles and how much he loved people and how much he cared for the churches that he planted and the people in those churches. Just uh, an incredibly big-hearted man. He gave of himself time, talent, treasure, gave sacrificially. There's so much to say, but I, I wanted to just mention three things uh, on our, as we uh, head, head, uh, head on out here that he displayed these three things time and time and time again. When he came out of his sheltering time in Arabia, these three things show up very consistently until the Lord takes him home. First, is he was passionate, second, he never quit, and third, he was led by the Spirit of the Lord. These three things you see. So number one, Paul was passionate. Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse 13 and 14, it says, You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal, for the traditions of my ancestors. So it seems that Paul was always sort of a passionate kind of a guy. You know, 
somebody who's just wired that way. You know, uh, you know, you've met people who are like all or nothing. There's, there's a certain individual that lives in my home that's like that. Shall go unnamed. He knows who he is. Like, there, there is there's that, that quality in some people, you know? They just jump in with both feet. They are passionate right from the beginning. And Paul seemed to be that way. And so he was passionate before Jesus, but, uh, and then he was obviously passionate after. And, and here's the thing. After meeting Jesus, he was able to take this quality that he had already given to Paul, and now he just redirected it in a positive way. And it got me thinking about there's traits in all of us that can be negative or positive, right? So uh, Paul's zeal was misguided, uh, and it was wrongly applied until he met the Lord. After that, he was incredible. Uh, he, was, he was stubborn and willful uh, and, and this kind of a guy, but after meeting Jesus, those traits that were negative actually became a strength in his life. They helped him serve Christ. They gave him passion for Jesus and passion for others. You know, you can be stubborn about something and it can really hurt you and you need to let it go and move on. But when you're, when you're stubborn about something that God's called you to, it's a powerful thing. Amen? And so these qualities can be good things or bad things. And Paul was passionate. And uh, when he met Jesus, it was just redirected in the right way. So I, I wanted to just bring out these three things quick. He had passion to serve Christ. He had passion to know Christ. And he had passion for other people to know Christ. And these three things come out again and again. First one, he had a passion to serve Jesus. Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 24 says, But my life, this is Paul writing, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He had a passion to serve Jesus. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I can serve Christ and finish out the calling that he's put on my life. And there's so many. We could go, I could give you 20 more, but you get the idea. He had a, a deep, deep passion to serve Jesus. He had a passion to know Jesus. Uh, maybe the best one, there's again multiple ones, but Philippians, put that one up for me. Philippians chapter 3. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes. Check out this verse. Yes. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Does that sound like a passionate person to you? He just wants to know Christ. And he goes on. There's just a couple verses later. He says, 
I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. And he just expresses such passion. He wants to experience Christ and to know Christ. A deep, deep passion. And here's the other thing that he was passionate about. Other, he wanted other people to find Jesus and to know him. Romans 9, uh, verse 1, it says this. You got it for me? Romans chapter 9, verse 1. No, don't have it. Well, trust me, read it later. He is dying for people to know Christ. Do you have 2 Corinthians chapter 12? We already know that one. There we go. Here we go. With Christ as my witness, he says, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. In verse 3, he says, for, unending grief for my people, the Jewish, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. He expresses such passion for people to know the Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll put that one up for me. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself in all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Just had a deep, deep passion for the church in, in Corinth. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He said this, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and, that, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. He just had this deep, uh, I mean, you, you can't, it's hard to express how deep of a passion that this man had for others to know the Lord. It was a deep, deep passion. You know, a person can't hide what they're passionate about it, it eventually comes out. Some people try to hide it, but it, it, it does eventually come out. And it got me thinking, what is coming out of my life? What is coming out of our lives? What is coming out of your life? Do we show any passion for Jesus? If there's one thing the church needs, the church needs multiple things. I mean the church in general. I'll tell you one of the things the church needs more of is passion. Passion. We need a fresh desire to serve Jesus. We need a fresh desire to know Jesus greater and deeper. We need a fresh desire to, to reach out, to, to let others know him. We live in this day, especially now, where it's so easy to be lukewarm about our faith, to let indifference and malaise creep into our mind and creep into our spirit. And Paul is this powerful example of what passion for the Lord really looks like. If you want to see someone who's passionate for Jesus, just look at his life. It's remarkable. He was willing to sacrifice, to work, to suffer, to pray, to be uncomfortable, to do whatever it took. He said, I will become all things 
to all men so that I might win some. That is pure passion coming out of his mouth. Passion is the fuel that the church so desperately needs. It drives us forward, and it drives us to be difference makers for the kingdom of God. Somebody said amen. We need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh touch of his passion on our lives to wake us up, to kick us in the pants, and to move us beyond where we're at. Because there are greater days and bigger things to do, more people to be one, more things to happen for the kingdom. In these days, we have to have the passion of the Holy Spirit. It is a desperate need in our lives. Wake up, church. Let's go after him with a passion. Number two, Paul never quit. He never, never quit. Never, never quit. He faced endless obstacles that would have discouraged most people. We would have packed our bags and headed for home. But this man stands there, takes it. He never, never quit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. He's talking about, again, false teachers. I have worked harder. I have been in prison more often. I've been whipped, without num- whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a, day, a night and a day drifting at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty. I have been, I've often been without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And people throw this verse off so quick. I want to tell you, I have a burden for one church. I don't even know how he could handle a burden for all the churches that he was responsible for. That might have been the greatest burden of them all. He never, never quit. And by the way, he forgot to add, oh yeah, and by the way, I was bit by a poisonous snake and just shook it off into the fire. You know, to persevere and to endure is a quality. Come on, we could use more of. We quit way too easy way too fast. How easily do we get discouraged? How easily do we quit? If you're going to reach your full potential, you have got to step out of your comfort zone. If you stay comfortable all the time, you'll never, never, never do all that God wants you to do. He always will stretch you and push you. If, if, when you're being led by the Spirit, 
if you can do something on your own, then you don't need him. When he calls you to do something greater than you can do, then you keep leaning into him. You keep running to him, and that's exactly where he wants us to be. He calls us to do great work and to lean on him and to never quit. We've got to step out of our comfort zone. To be effective in anything takes the ability to endure setbacks, disappointments. You've got to be able to pick yourself up and get going and keep going. Take it and just keep moving forward. People will get in your way. Get up and keep moving. They will call you names. They won't believe you. There will be bad days. There will be bad moments. You might have a bad month, but we can't quit. It's a, it's a quality that we need more of. We have to be people who are willing to do hard things. We can't always just do the easy thing. We have to have the strength to endure. Now, I pulled out a couple of, uh, I, you probably maybe heard these before, but here's a little poem. Two frogs, they fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep, and the cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croaked number one. Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, he dog paddled in surprise. The while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while at least, he said, or so I've heard he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam, and not once he stopped to mutter. But he kicked and he kicked and he swam and he kicked. And then he hopped out via butter. <laughs> there was a teenager who had decided, I cut out this little story, there was a teenager who decided to quit high school. And he was talking to his dad, and his dad was saying, son, I don't care how fed up you are. I don't care how nasty the teachers are. You can't quit. You can't quit. You, 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 he was trying to convince him that we we're getting on in time. He was trying to convince him to stay in school. And he says, son, you just can't quit. All the people who did great things, all the people who are remembered in history, they didn't quit. Abe Lincoln, he didn't quit. Thomas Edison, he didn't quit. Douglas MacArthur, he didn't quit. Elmo McCrinkle. And the son says, who, what? I, who's Elmo McCrinkle? And his father said, see, you don't remember him because he quit. No one remembers the quitters. And here's the thing. Listen, we don't quit. You know, we, we, we don't quit because we want people to remember us. We don't quit because we want people to see Jesus. So some things are hard. Some things are difficult. Some things are discouraging. Some things take a lot of time and a lot of pain and a lot of stretching. But you must develop the strength. We must develop the will to be people of the Spirit. People who say, I will finish and I will finish well. I will serve you until my last breath. I will use all of my capacity to impact people for the gospel. You are my king and I will serve you until you call me home. I will not quit. We have to have that in us. How many great things in our world have been left unfinished because somebody quit? 
How much of an impact can we have on those around us if we stay in the battle and don't give up? How many opportunities have we missed because we've walked away too quick? Paul endured to the end. I'm, I'm showing a little passion. I want you to get the fire today, all right? He endured to the end. He never quit. Look, at this is what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, as for me, this is right, right near his death. And he says, as for me, my life's already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Don't quit. Please don't quit. Let's finish well. Amen? Let's finish well. Lastly and real quick, he was spirit-led. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Put that right up for me and we'll, get, we'll, we'll read it right away. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, he headed north to the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. And one last one, Acts 20, verse 22. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, right? Cool verse. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Oh, well, then let's go. He would not do anything and he would not go anywhere without the leading of the Spirit. And if the Spirit said, I want you to go here, but it's going to be tough, he went anyway. He said, I want you to go here and it's going to be very difficult, but he went anyway. He didn't go anywhere or do anything without the leading of the Spirit. And so my point real quick as we wrap up here is, we desperately need to be led by the Spirit in our lives. He, he is the one who needs to lead us. He will accomplish, when we're, when we're following the leading of the Spirit, He will allow us to accomplish God's will. He will equip us, He will enable us to operate and to function at a higher level and to get things done uh, for His glory and for His purpose. See, there's many things in life that can lead us, many things that influence us, but we must, above all else, be led by the Holy Spirit. It is the key to success. It is the key to joy. It is the key to being effective as a believer. We must be led by the Spirit. He must be in the driver's seat. 
he must be driving the bus. Paul came out of that sheltering time in Arabia, and he became one of the most influential people in all of history, and I, I really believe that. When he met Jesus on the road of Damascus that day, he discovered something. He discovered that, that no other joy, no, no other love, I should say, is that great. No other hope is that secure. No other forgiveness is that complete. No other joy is that deep. And no other peace is that sweet. He discovered it in one person. Come on, church. And his name is... Let's go and serve him well. Let's go serve him well with passion, with a never-quit attitude, being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's bow together. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Paul. What an incredible man. Thank you that his life and his writings have literally impacted millions of people over the last 2,000 years, all over this globe. Thank you that, Father, you put in him such, such a passion to serve you, such a never-quit attitude. Lord, may those kind of qualities be found in us. I pray, Lord, today, for those of us that are here and for those of us that are watching at home today, Father, would you just wake us up out of our doldrum? Would you remove apathy and indifference from our lives? Help us to be men and women of the Spirit, men and women who want to serve you with passion, who will go to the hard places, who will do the hard things, who will say, because God called me, I will go. It may not be easy, but he is with me. And Lord, we need more of that, not less. More of that in our lives, more of that in our churches, more of that across, Lord, our country and our globe. May believers, Father, be able to rise up and serve you with a passion and with a never-quit attitude. Help us, Lord, today to look inside, to be honest enough and self-aware enough to say, Lord, if there's anything in me that needs to be made right, please make it right. Fill me with fire again, Holy Spirit. Give me the passion that you have for people. Give me, Lord, the ability to walk through difficult times and not to bail or quit. Give me the backbone to stand. Give me, Lord, the willingness and the heart to stay in there while, the, while, the, while, the, while it gets tough all around me. We are people of the Spirit, people of God, people who are called to continue and not to quit. So help us, Lord, today to be men and women like that. It is vital, Lord, it is vital for the church in these last days to be filled with this kind of spirit. Give us, Lord, more of this in our lives. Thank you, Father, today. We love you and we bless you. And we are fully committed, Lord, to serve you well. God's people said amen. Amen. Stand with me just as we close today. If you're online still watching, if you hit that prayer request button, you'll find somebody there who is ready to meet you and uh, to discuss things with you. If you don't know Jesus, you always have to start with Jesus. You always have to start with Jesus. He loves you very much, 
and you'll find that you'll become such a better version of yourself with him than you were without him. He just makes you better. He makes you stronger. He gives you peace and joy and happiness and purpose and hope that you've never had without him. So find him today. Find him. We are passionate for him, and we want you to find him today. Just call out his name, and you'll find him come running into your life. He is a good God who is strong and lovely and powerful, who is so for you, not against you, who has not come to judge you but to save you. He is Jesus, and there's no one like him. No one like him. So be blessed today. If you're watching online, find him today. Reach out to us. Hit that prayer button. Go on to our website, and we'll do all that we can to help you and to support you and to get you going on, that, on your journey with Jesus. Amen. Folks, just as we go today, may the peace of the Lord, may the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the strength of Jesus rest in your minds and rest in your spirits. You are children of God, called of the Most High to be difference makers, to live for the kingdom and to make a difference for his kingdom. And so we accept that mantle today, Lord, on our lives. Help us to go, help us to go, and to be people like that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.